This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me, as always, at Statsman22, and I'm joined, as usual, by AJ Scholes, who's an excellent follow for hockey fans at AJ Scholes 24 I'll spell that out. It's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-24. AJ, Hi, Paul. How you doing? I'm doing great, my friend. Uh, how was your Christmas holidays? It was great. We had, uh, we had some... Uh some fun time with uh, with family uh, and, you know, a little bit of relaxing, uh, getting away from the office a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, excited to be back in action. Uh, did you get anything anything fun, any real good presents from Santa? Well, I, I hinted at Brown broadly that I needed a warm sweater for the winter months. And uh, one of my kids came through with a, a very, I'd never seen this before, but a neat pullover with a leaf logo on it. Of course, I loved that. And uh, it's funny that I'd never seen anything that looked quite like it. So I'll be standing out when I go to the next hockey games in the new year. And I'm looking forward to wearing it proudly. This team has got a few people more excited this year than usual. And uh, I'm certainly one of them. And so that was really one of the great gifts that I got with a sports theme. So looking forward to trotting it out and uh, styling and profiling, as Ric Flair would say. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, yeah, I I didn't uh, I didn't get any pens gear. Uh, but we are uh, we are expecting a, a child here in a couple months, and my wife bought me a uh, a blanket and a rattle that uh, had penguins on them. They're they're not the uh, Pittsburgh type of penguins, but we'll ease the kid in with some uh, some soft, cuddly penguins before we introduce them to the more uh, aggressive ones on the ice. 
Well, we, we uh, are looking forward to seeing how the rest of the labor goes for your lovely bride, and uh, I'm sure it'll go smoothly, and you'll have the best present of all early in the new year, AJ. Congratulations to you both. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, as always, uh, before we get on with the program, I want to remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, uh, you can tweet at us, and we'll try and answer your questions uh, during the week or during our next podcast. And as always, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJScholes24. You can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. All right, AJ. Well, you know, in the holiday season, it occurred to both of us during the break that uh, a lot of other outlets and newspapers and magazines, they trot out uh, 30 things for 30 clubs at the Christmas uh, season, or what does one each club want under their Christmas tree? So we're going to have a bit of a fun show element this week and next week uh, you're going to turn the tables on me but for this week I came up with a list of 30 things that we could look for with each team and I call it higher or lower or yes or no uh, are the answers to my 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 questions and queries and we can knock it around a little bit why don't we begin in Anaheim with one that stands out to me with Getzlaff and Perry combining for 11 goals in 35 games are we expecting more than that the rest of the way or less i'm gonna go more uh yes as you mentioned just the 11 goals um, but they have a combined 44 assists and i think eventually they're gonna start scoring as as guys key in on on other players that have been uh you know the recipients of those assists uh rackle or silverberg uh, i think you'll start seeing these guys get a little more time and space and, and be freed up a little bit I think it's a matter of what we've seen from a few uh, clubs in the Western Conference in the last year. I'm thinking of Los Angeles and Anaheim when I say this, that they seem to pick things up in the second half of the season as the, uh, the going gets tougher. Uh, these clubs are built to succeed in, uh, in the rough and tumble games of the playoffs, and they start to play, up, pay, play that playoff brand of hockey. And two of the top power forwards in the NHL are named Getzlaff and Perry, and I'm sure they're going to fill the net. So I agree. I'm going to go higher as well. Over in Anaheim, Radim Verbata was signed on to join the Yotes again. This is the second go-around over there, I think. And he's leading the club with only eight goals. Will he be the club's leading goal scorer at the end of the season? I say no. I, I think there's a lot of other younger kids that could catch fire here, and they're going to get a lot, lot more looks when this team... This team's already out of contention, so I don't think they're going to waste a lot of ice time on their veterans here. They've got to see what the youngsters have, and I think guys like Duclair and, and company uh, even... Uh, maybe even Domi has a run in him when he comes back. You know, uh, they're going to outscore this guy the rest of the way, in my opinion. We're just two clubs in, and already we have my our first uh, disagreement here. I'm going to say yes, um, but I think it's what's emblematic of of the problems in the desert that Vibrata would be their leading scorer. Uh, if I'm right, and he is, then I have no doubt they'll have the highest chance to win the lottery in the 2017 NHL draft because I think. With him being your leading scorer, that's the problem on the team, and I think he will be. Well, that's interesting, and, and for sure they're going to be in the draft lottery. I don't think they're going to pass, uh, get up high enough to avoid the top five picks in, in, that, uh, in that lottery situation. The top three will get a chance at the top three guys, as we know. Uh, over in Boston, the top two centers, David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron, have combined for 11 goals in 36 games. There's been some injury issues there with both these guys over the last two years. I wonder if we're seeing the end of the line. But uh, I wonder if we go higher or lower there. And then I threw a second one in here. So there's the two-parter. And I say not on, uh, only seven goals from the entire defense. This is a, a sign that really 
should be alarming. Uh, Zdeno Chara is finally acting like a 39-year-old and really has lost a lot of his offensive contribution uh, ability, I'll say, and it only falls to a guy like Tory Krug. Beyond those two guys, though, it's, they're really hard-pressed to find much offense. So, I, But I, despite that, I, I say higher in both cases. I say Krejci and Bergeron combined for more than 11 goals the rest of the way, and I think the Bruins somehow, again, is to get more than seven goals from the rest of their defense the rest of the way. I agree, Paul. I, I think what's happening right now is, is Pasternak's being the, the beneficiary, beneficiary of, you know, playing on that line with Bergeron. And I think eventually teams will kind of cue in on him. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned uh, for, for Anaheim, I see the same thing happening here. And that'll give some time and space to, to Patrice Bergeron to start scoring a little bit more. David Krejci's kind of been the, the handicap, for lack of a better term, by, you know, a clear uh, left winger there. He's got David Backus, but they've kind of moved people around on, on his left side. So I think they'll get that figured out. Uh, I will go higher on the defense. Again, this is solely because seven goals through this part of the season is just so low. It's hard to imagine that they don't reach that point into the future, um, especially maybe if they could bring somebody in. Uh, you know, at the trade deadline and, and add some boost, but seven, the, that's a pretty uh, tall under there. So I have to go higher if only because they've been so terrible. Very good. So we're in agreement again. We're back in sync. Uh, what about in in uh, Buffalo? Kyle Pozo, I highlighted the fact that this guy was the top scoring forward there. He's got 22 points in 32 games. Does he finish the season as the Sabres top scoring forward i say no there's a couple of young guys that that are there that should catch him and i'm even thinking jack eichel who has had an injury plagued start to his season could really be the guy that catches fire and and leads this team before the end of the season it speaks to the fact that it's not a high mark to to catch on to some of the uh, other scorers here we also note that ryan o'reilly has just been put on the injured list again so he might not factor into the race it seems but uh, that's a low total I'm, I'm saying that he's caught by one of the other guys do you agree or disagree I'm dead, uh, dead on there with you, Paul, uh, that there's no chance that Jack Eichel, despite his struggles, uh, he's got a five-game scoring drought. You know, he, As you mentioned, he did have the injury, uh, but I don't think there's any chance that he won't catch Ocposo and take over that scoring lead on the team. It's, it's, it would be unfathomable, in, in my opinion, for him not to produce it at that level. Now, I'm anticipating that we're going to disagree on the next one because I... I think there's more that Brian Elliott has to give in Calgary than five wins in 16 starts over the first half. But I think you might be uh, on uh, the train for Johnson saying that this career backup guy has done enough to hold on to that job and keep Elliott from winning as many as five more in the second half. I think he goes higher than five. What do you think? I'm going to go lower. And and you're right. I think it's because uh, I'm sold on Chad Johnson as a clear starter there. You know, and in several of those early you know, you mentioned 16 games played. Some of those came early in the season when they were still looking at uh, as uh, Elliott as a starter. So now that he's being you know relegated to that backup role full time, full time, he's just not going to see the same amount of ice. So I am going to go lower on that one. I think he's going to win the job back. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Jeff Skinner broke into the league a few years ago as a a top scoring threat for Carolina but since that rookie season the guys struggled until almost this year I would say he's back to scoring at that level that we saw in the past just not surrounded by a lot of skill up front he's got 27 points in 32 games can he sustain this pace I go lower I think as the 
the shooting gets a little more serious in the second half of the season, he's going to find it tougher going, and I think opposing, opposing teams are going to key on him. That's what, primarily why I think he goes lower. Yeah, lower for me as well. Uh, the Canes are, you know, kind of surging right now, 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10. They've got three wins in a row, and Skinner's certainly been a huge part of that, you know, seven points in, in those last 10 games, but it's just not sustainable. As you mentioned, they, they don't have a ton of uh, talent around him. This is a team we've highlighted with our Red X in the past, so... Uh, yeah, I'm definitely lower on his production as well. And I mean, these comments, I mean, if you're approaching the trade deadlines in your pools, gang, in season-long play, our thoughts might lead you to make a move in, in a direction or to keep a player. This is what this whole thing is designed for, uh, getting you to think about uh, trade, keep, or extend in your uh, season-long or dynasty leagues. We'll continue with Chicago's Marian Hosa, he's got 16 goals in 34 games. Games That's way ahead of the pace that he scored in the last several years. And he has had some nicks along the way this season, too, but still played in most of the games. I don't think he sustains this pace despite the pedigree that he has. Yeah, I agree. And, and my concerns are, are a lot to do with his, his injuries. He's been a, a health or um, taken several maintenance days of late at practice. Uh, he's actually got a, an upper body injury he's currently dealing with. So I expect, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a drop off from him. And as Paul mentioned, this might be a great one for you to try and sell high on the, the name recognition for him, especially if you're anywhere in the Midwest and have been hearing about him with the Blackhawks for several years, uh, might be something you can capitalize on and, and get some good prospects out of him. And uh, the next guy is a guy that we both expected big things from at the start of the season, but his team has dragged him down. We're talking about Nate McKinnon. He does lead the Colorado Avalanche with 23 points in 33 games. I think he's going to go higher than that pace the rest of the season and finish somewhere around 60 points. AJ, where do you stand on this? Is Nate McKinnon going to have a career year? I don't think so. I'm going to go lower. And it's not because I don't like McKinnon. I, I think he is a great player. Uh, but yeah, this is another situation where the talent around him is really sparse. I, I think McKinnon can be a great DFS play just because, you know, you're only worried about one night and one set of production. But long term for the season, I, I definitely have concerns with the lack of talent around him. And I'm not quite sold on him being that elite level player that can kind of carry a team. I, I don't see that quite out of him. He's a great player, uh, certainly talented, but uh, just not enough to, to sustain this team. AJ, we've seen Sergei Bobrovsky among the goalie leaders earlier in his career. He's back there again with a 188 goals against average and 21 wins. His team went, has gone from last, almost last place in the standings last year to first place this year. Are they both going to stay at this level the rest of the season, or will they go lower? I say lower. I don't see this team continuing this way. It's a great run, but it's not sustainable. I think there's a couple of teams that are going to catch and overtake them. And certainly with Bobrovsky, there's a few other goalies in that elite level. I think they're going to catch him and pass him as well. I really struggled with this one, Paul, and it's partially because I don't want our listeners to, to think of me as a homer, although they might already. Um, but... <laughs> You just haven't seen the long-term success uh, from Columbus like you have from, you know, Pittsburgh, Washington, Chicago. And they know those teams know how to win and get hot at the right time. I do expect a drop-off. I, I am going lower on both Bobrovsky and the Jackets as a whole. And I, I agree. I think eventually some of these more uh, solid long-term success programs like I outlined are going to catch them. And uh, one of the teams that has had two guys in the very top of the scoring race for the last couple of years is the Dallas Stars with Sagan and Ben. I'm going to focus on Tyler Sagan with 11 goals, 
he's got 22 assists for 35, 33 points in 35 games, almost a point a game. But it's the goal total that I'm looking at. I think this guy is an elite, elite sniper. And I'm wondering where do you, where, whether you think he's going to score, let's say, more than 25 goals because he's on a pace for that right now. I think so. I, and I think he could even uh, approach 30. Uh, he's, a, he's a proven scorer. I'm not ready to doubt him quite yet. And I definitely think he can get there. He's starting to get you know, some talent back around him. They've been hampered by injuries early in the season. But Eves and Ben are ready to go, and I, I think those guys can draw defenders to them, and uh, you know find you know find Sagan in the right spots for him to start, as you mentioned, sniping home, home some goals. You know what, though, I'm going to go a little bit lower. Earlier in this career, this guy was labeled as a bit of a head case in in Boston, and uh, they they got rid of him because they didn't think that he was going to ever be a team leader type and really play to his potential. I think we're seeing a bit of a regression in that regard, and I don't think he's going to make that plateau so there's another one where we disagree and i think we're going to disagree on another one that's going to catch the attention of a couple of our friends that we've talked about in the home office with the detroit red wings 25 straight playoffs the big question is will they make it 26 right now they're on the outside looking in and i don't think they're going to rebound i wonder where you stand on this i i have to give them the benefit of the doubt you know 25 years is a long time to make the playoffs every year they've cycled through uh, their their players in the past, and I think they can do it again. I, I love some of their young talent. They're also going to add back, you know, some veterans. It looks like in the coming weeks they should get both Helm and Abdicator back. I definitely would feel more confident if Mike Babcock were uh, still running the show there. Um, but fortunately, you've got him in Toronto, which I'm, I'm sure you're happy about. That's your uh, Christmas gift that'll keep on giving there, <coughs> giving there. But uh, I do think they make it. I'm. I'm not ready to doubt the wings yeah i've written them off in the past a couple of times but i'm going to stick my neck out one more time i just don't like the fact that they're not getting a lot of scoring from guys that i expected big things from certainly we've talked enough about thomas vanek he's got five goals for the first uh, well he's only played 23 games but the club's played over 30 that's not enough goals from him gustav nyquist sitting there with four goals even henrik zetterberg was six they need much more from these guys you're thinking that the big body re- returning will add some toughness and grit to the lineup. That might be the thing that, that elevates them, but they also have question marks in goal. I think there's just too many question marks and too many underperformers right now for me to feel as confident as you do. In terms of the Edmonton Oilers, you know what? I'm going to pump Patrick Maroon's tires here a bit. This is a guy who's played first-line minutes at a couple of different experiences in the past with not much fanfare. He's got 10 goals again. Uh, in a top six role in 36 games played does he reach 20 goals for the second time in his career i think and i'm going to say yes not only do i think he'll get 20 but i think he'll push for 30 uh he's having a a solid season i think he's really starting to gel with uh ryan nugent hopkins and and leon dreisaitl on that second line and i think he's got the the talent there um and i expect big things out of him so i'm i'm gonna one up not only 20 I think he can push for 30. Well, and then there we look to Florida where we both expected bigger things from the Panthers than what we've seen. And one of the underperformers so far is Keith Yandel. This is a guy who you could almost pencil in for 45 to 50 points per year from the defense position. He's not a guy who's long in the tooth as he's just right around 30 years of age. And I was expecting him to partner with Aaron Ekblad to lead this team from the blue line. Hasn't done so so far in 35 games played. Will he go higher than than 40 points, let's say, uh, by the season's end? I'm going to say yes. I agree. I think yes. And, you know, I looked at some of his past seasons, and regardless of where he's played, 
including some very bad Coyote teams in the past. Uh, Yandel has found ways to score, and I expect you know better numbers entering the back half of the season. He will need some help, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, Ekblad hasn't been doing as much as I think we expected out of him. The whole team, in fact, hasn't been scoring as much as we expected. But I think there's definitely some some things that he can do. He's got the talent, and, and I expect big things from him in the latter half. Let's talk about Ekblad for a second. You know, I could have thrown him into the mix here. He's got 10 points so far in 35 games. He's got seven goals, which would put him on pace for what we expect from him in goal scoring. But that point total is down, that minus 17, the worst on the club. What the heck's going on with him? I think it's just a... a uh, indicative of the scoring drought that the the forwards are having you know there's nobody for him to feed the puck to and that's where his point total is really off compared to p- the last few seasons he's got just three assists whereas the last two years he's been you know upwards of 20 on the on the helper mark so i i think if he can start getting guys to convert when he finds them with the puck you'll see that number creep up what about Los Angeles? This is a team now that I hesitate to throw dirt on them, too, because they've proved me wrong in the past as well. It seems like they're one of the most consistently strong second-half clubs, but they've dug themselves an awful hole. They can point to the fact they have 20 goals from their defense in 34 games, which is one of the top totals in the league. But offensively, I'm concerned about the fact that perhaps uh, their signature forward, Anze Kopitar, has only three goals and 16 points thus far. They have no Jonathan Quick in goal for two more months. And while the backup guys have performed admirably, I'm going to say there's no playoffs for L.A. this year just because there's too many other teams that have created some distance between them and uh, will continue to make that margin too hard to uh, to make up before these guys all get back to uh, playing the way they can. So I'm going to say no to the playoffs for the Los Angeles Kings. Where do you stand there? I'll say yes to the postseason. Uh, they, they've held on this long without Jonathan Quick. Uh, they are currently in, in a wild card spot, and, and I think it's a down year for the Pacific Division. There's no clear dominant team uh, in that division, so I think getting into the top three would be easier in that division compared to some of the others. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, yeah, they do still have a wild card spot right now. So it's really just a matter of holding on until Quick gets back. I, I get it's going to be a, a long term uh, situation. They are several months away, but I think they can do it. Now, the next guy is a guy that I highlight a little bit later in the show for Minnesota. I'm going to express shock with Eric Stahl's performance so far this year. 28 points in 33 games played with a plus 14 to lead the club. Quite simply, does he keep that up? Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Uh, It looks like last year was the exception, not the rule. And I think he continues to power this team forward towards a a deep playoff run. Okay, an interesting call there and probably an unexpected one at the beginning of the season by both of us. In Montreal, okay, I have to say I don't like this club just because they are (laughs) the mortal rivals to my Maple Leafs. But I'm going to say something here. Max Pacioretty, He's one of, the, one of the guys you can count on to score, and Paul Byron uh, is on pace for 20-plus goals. I say only one of these two guys makes it, AJ. And then further to that, Shea Weber is really cooled off offensively with 19 points in 34 games uh, following a long scoreless drought. Does he get to 50 points, yes or no? So I say yes to both, and uh, what do you say? I'm yeses all around. I, I think both uh, both Byron and, and Pacioretty can get uh, to that 20 goal mark. Uh, the scoring, I th- you know, has been a little hot and cold with them uh, this season, but I, I think they can get it on on pace to you know help their netminder. 
it, they don't have to score a ton to win games, but I do think they can. And Shea Weber is just, he's an established veteran. He'll, he'll shake off whatever, you know, yips he has that are, that are holding him back. And I do think he reaches that 50 point mark and ends up being the, the better half of that trade. And uh, we'll look at the other half of that trade in, in the Nashville situation. Yo, Roman Yossi and, uh, with 19 points and P.K. Subban with 17. I was expecting them to be the top defensive pair in the league, just like uh, Yossi and Weber were last the last several years. But they split these guys up. The point total just aren't there. And you, I wonder if either one can get over the 40-point mark. I'm going to stick with Yossi just because I've had him in dynasty leagues. And I know what this kid is about. He, he jumps into the play regularly. And he really is the guy that, that has proven that he can lead that offense. I think Subban has had a bit of a tough time fitting in. And so I'm going to say he falls short of that 40-point plateau. Where do you stand on this? I agree with you, Paul. I think only Yossi is going to reach that mark. Uh, I do like the the pairing for him with Ryan Ellis now that he's back healthy. I think he complements Roman Yossi's game really well. And it it just seems like it's taken Subban much longer to, you know, adjust to the sights and sounds of the Music City. Uh, I I certainly wouldn't dump him, especially if I'm in a dynasty or keeper league. Um, But you may want to consider benching him for a few weeks until he can rediscover his game. Oh, tough call there, putting him on the bench. You'd have to have a deep defense to relegate him to the bench, but I see your point. There's a few other defensemen that are scoring at a better rate than him now, and on name recognition alone, I'd find it a very tough thing to do, but it might be the smart move, AJ, as you pointed out. In New Jersey, uh, Damon Severson is a guy I got to look at. When I looked at some AHL games, that's the first time I've said that uh, in a long (laughs) time, maybe ever, AJ. But Severson was a guy that I got to look at last year. And I like the way this guy ran a power play and played big minutes. He's doing that for the the big club in New Jersey with 18 points in 34 games. Does he go over the 40-point mark? He's on that pace right now. I I don't think he can sustain it, but it's not as much a knock on him as it is the people that he's got to work with, in my opinion. I absolutely agree, Paul. You know, he's really stepped up for the Devils uh, because they have nobody else on that blue line that can really uh, score at all. Uh, And I definitely commend him for that. But I agree. I don't think he's quite able to sustain that pace. And I I just don't see him as a 40 point player. Uh, He's he's a fantastic talent, a great defender. I love what he does on the power play, but 40 points is just a stretch for him, I think. And over in New York Islanders situation, Brock Nelson started off the season scoring very well. He's got 19 points in 33 games. He's on pace to score quite a bit more than 40 points. I don't think he makes it because he's, he's proven to me in the past that he's a first-half player, and when the going gets tougher, he kind of wilts. Even though he's a big player, big-body guy, they need him to step up to behind John Tavares for this team to have any hope to be in and around the playoff race i don't think they're going to be anywhere close and i think brock nelson falls well below the 40 point plateau i'm gonna tweak your your yes or no on this segment i'm gonna go no but uh so right now he's lining up on their second unit and if that's where he stays he's a definite no um, but if he gets back on that top line with Tavares, there's a chance he can get there you know Tavares makes everybody around him better, and I think he can power him through and and set him up enough, but as long as he remains on the second line, there's no chance. Okay, I think that's my assessment as well, but they kind of need him to be that second second line center for the team's sake, I think. In terms of personal stats, he would probably reach the plateau on the number one line, but it doesn't make sense to put him there, in my opinion. The New York Rangers have two guys that have surprised, and uh, Michael Grabner and Jimmy Vesey so far this year based on their scoring rate 
do you sell on one or both of these guys if you got them in your leagues? I, I sell Grebner yeah, right away. I, I agree with you there. What about VC? Him, I would hold on to a little bit longer. Um, the the reason I'm selling Grabner, he's got just two points in his last nine games, but he did put up some really good numbers earlier in the year. And I think you can get somebody who might only look at, you know, his point production across the whole season, maybe doesn't pay attention to what he's done lately and kind of, you know, trick somebody into taking him. Uh, with VC, you're going to have the ups and downs. He's a rookie. Um, but I think as long as you have enough depth and can kind of ride out the downs, he does enough on, on those upswings to, to make him worth it. It's interesting for me. Grabner, I got a real good look at because he played in Toronto and he had all kinds of bad puck luck going for him last year. But he has had some good scoring years in the past. I think you got to sell him high. Uh, I don't think he sustains basically a 40 goal pace right now. VC's a more interesting case for me, though, and not as clear cut. Uh, as you made it out to be he's got certainly 10 goals and 17 points but he's bounced around from the first line second line third line even the fourth a little bit all season long they're trying to find where this guy fits in what has helped him is the depth on this club aj this the rangers club one of the few clubs that can ice four competitive lines top to bottom and i think he benefits from that it's just a matter of where he winds up for me I might be inclined to also to make a case that you sell high on him. Just because of all the hype that's been around, you might sucker somebody into giving up a better piece coming your way. So we might slightly disagree on that one. For the Ottawa Senators, uh, I say I ask you, who finishes the season as the number one goalie? I choose Mike Condon over Craig Anderson. Craig Anderson's getting a little long in the tooth. We all know about the off-ice issues with his wife who's dealing with the cancer, too. I think it's just a very tough role to hold for him. And I saw enough for Con- from Condon last year when he filled in for Carey Price in Montreal to think this guy's got what it takes to be a number one goalie, at least in the Ottawa circumstance. And I think if they make the playoffs, and it looks like they will, I see Mike Condon being the goalie in game one. I see Anderson being the goalie, and and I want to clarify, it's no knock on Condon. He's been absolutely dominant of late, uh, four wins in a row with a 1.85 goals against average. Uh, but Anderson has, you know, the the title of the Sens goalie. He's been with him for years, and I'm envisioning maybe a situation uh, where he they're getting ready for game one. His wife tells him to go play in the playoffs for him. The team rallies around him. It's a great story, and I think his teammates could really step up their game with him around. So. I'm envisioning, you know, kind of a, a feel-good story here that, that could hopefully power them through, uh, and that's why I have him as their starter. Over in Philadelphia. Okay, you got to maybe hold your nose on this one, AJ. With 16 goals and 36 games, do you sell high on one Wayne Simmons? And I say it's a conditional yes, only if you're in season long and not uh, contending. So I will say no, and it's because he's on pace to have uh, another 60-point season. Uh, he hasn't you know, been under 30 points since his rookie campaign. He's just 28 years old, and as much as it pains me to say, the team around him finally looks good. Uh, so he's getting some support both in the net, defensively. Uh, we've talked about them the last couple of weeks and, and some good things going on there. So I don't sell him no matter what format I'm in. Uh, I think he's a, a great talent that uh, can really help you for, for several years to come. All right. And over to Pittsburgh, uh, we're looking at Sidney Crosby's current wingers, Shiri or Rust. Do you sell off on either of these guys or do you hang on to them for the rest of the season? I'd like to hear what you say before I weigh in on this one. <laughs> All righty. Yeah. So it's I'm a hard no on Shiri and it's because he's been with Sid all year. 
I don't see any way that Mike Sullivan's going to take him off that top line. The speed combo with Sid's skill, I think, is just too perfect of a fit. Uh, Rust is a little bit of a bigger question mark for me. Uh, you know, worst case scenario for him, they bump him from that top line and they put him on the second line and he's playing with Gino. So it's, it's kind of a win-win for him either way. Um, I would actually be on the other end of this. If somebody was looking to get rid of either of these guys, I would maybe try and jump on, on either one and maybe get them low, uh, just because, you know, they don't have the name recognition, the, the top, uh, talent, but I, I think worst case scenario, you're going to see rust playing with Malkin and that's never a bad thing. I listen, you've nailed the assessment from my perspective too. I, I think Patrick Hornquist has earned some right wing time with, with, uh, Sydney, but certainly on the left side, cheery has been a fixture there and, Crosby's a guy that you don't, you don't want to mess around too much with him. Once he finds a bit of chemistry with somebody, he can elevate even the worst player on this team. And not to say that Shiri is by any means the worst. It's just that he finds a comfort zone with a guy. And you don't want to mess with that when you're talking about a superstar, maybe the league's best player still, in my opinion, in uh, one Sidney Crosby. So I'm agreeing with you. Keep Sherry right where he is, but Rust is a guy that I'd keep an eye on. And even if he does tumble to the second line, like you said, it falls to, to Evgeny Malkin. That's not such a bad deal either. Over in San Jose, I have to preface this one with the with the story about Brett Burns. I was in, I'm involved in the, the August THL Rotowire League and I uh, got this guy in a trade last year from one our CFO, Tim Schuler. <laughs> you know, he was desperate looking looking for a player to help him out in another position. And I said, "Well, I'd like to get one of your defensemen." And I said, "But I, and I even issued the disclaimer. I said, "I guess Burns is off the table." And he says, "No, no, I'll throw Burns in the right deal." So I I went for it. I thought this guy is one of the better scorers among defensemen, and I expect him to be at that level for years and years to come. Just like you said about Simmons earlier. But do you sell high on Brett Burns this season? No, except is going to be my answer for this one. And, and here's my exception to the no. I, I mean, you talked about how great of a talent he is. Giving up a player like that is tough. The one situation I see that being uh, acceptable, in my opinion, is if you're in a dynasty league, you're bottom of the barrel, and you've got a lot of holes to plug. Because I think somebody who's in contention you know, towards the top of the league, looking for some defensive help might be willing to sell the farm to get him. And in, in that case, in that scenario, I think I would consider it. So generally speaking, I'm a no, um, but in that one loan exception, it's worth considering. And I'm going to say an absolute no, just because this guy, you can pen him in to be the top goal scoring defenseman in the league. Goals from defensemen are at a premium in most pools these days. And I just think he's got so much more to give. He's just signed a long-term deal with San Jose. Really a comfort zone for him because they have a five-pack of guys that they roll out for that first power play that know each other like the back of my hands uh, and, and how I know them. So I, I say absolutely no to trading him under any circumstances. With the St. Louis Blues, what do you do with Kevin Shattenkirk? What does St. Louis do with Kevin Shattenkirk, in fact? I say trading him and selling high is the right thing to do as I anticipate the Blues trading him and not and not knowing how he gets uh, along elsewhere. I, I think it's too much of a gamble on, on too good a talent. He, we know how he fits into St. Louis, but I look at their salary cap situation at the end of this year and I don't see how they can make him another big money defenseman. They've got three of them already locked up. No team can afford four. I think he's a goner from St. Louis, even though he's having a big year. Uh, so I say you get rid of him 
and make make the off make the trade that you would have done for Burns in the scenario you pointed out earlier. So I agree with you that I think St. Louis is going to trade him, but I actually like that, and for that reason, I would hold on to him because I where I see him going is to a competitive playoff team that's going to have some pretty good talent around him uh, that, you know, St. Louis maybe gets some, um, some development guys, some younger guys for him. And so I, I, I like the fact that I think he'll end up on a contender and I think that'll help his production go up. So same, same stance for you as far as what St. Louis should and will do with him, but different approach uh, for fantasy owners out there. In Tampa, we're going to talk about another defenseman as Victor Hedman has 29 points in 35 games with a career best pace, a career best of 55 points uh, that he's challenging this year. Is he going to top that mark? Does he go higher or lower? I'm going to say higher, even though this team's been decimated by injury. This guy's proving to be uh, the guy that, that they drafted first overall several years ago and is right now in the running for the Norris and, and also challenging all the top scoring defensemen in the league. So I think he goes higher. They're going to get stronger as Stamkos comes back later. And I think Drewen uh, is going to start lighting the things up a little more. Hedman benefits from that, that potent office, uh, offense as they get into top form with the playoffs approaching. Yeah, absolutely higher on this one. He's got 10 points in his last six. You know, he's thriving under the the pressure of kind of carrying this team. He's averaging over 24 minutes a night. Uh, So I'm I'm expecting a career high year out of him. Uh, Should be fantastic to watch. Now we come to my club and uh, Austin Matthews, who seems to be the focal point of all things Maple Leafs this season, despite the fact they have five other rookie scorers among the top 20 in the league. He, for his part, leads the club. He's tied with Mitch Marner with 26 points. He's got 16 goals. And the club records in terms of goal scoring for a rookie are 34. The points record is 66. Are either of these in jeopardy? I say the goal scoring mark will fall. Formerly, it's held by Wendell Clark. But I wonder about the points. I don't think he's going to get enough points to wipe out Peter Inichek and his 66-point record. So where do you stand on this? I think he's going to miss it, but just barely on, on both accounts. Uh, I, I think he's taking, you know, he's going to take a little bit of time to develop. Um, you know, he's going to be fantastic. I think with the exception of these two rookie records, I think he's got potential to rewrite the, the uh, stats uh, records all over Toronto. I think he'll be a fantastic talent, but he's had some ups and downs this year. And I think these two records are going to be safe. Um, but everybody else should watch out uh, as their records slowly come off the books throughout his career. And the next thing we're talking about, the Vancouver Canucks, another Canadian club. And quite simply, I ask you, are they going to finish 30th? I say yes, they will. This is a dreadful looking team that uh, has spent way too much money on on a guy like a Louis Erickson to fit in here and and certainly are paying a lot of money for not much return from guys like even the goalie ryan miller certainly the sedines are getting up in years but they're still at least holding up their end of the bargain too many holes here too many injuries on the blue line i think they're going to be dead last what do you say i say no and it's because i just don't think they're bad enough uh it's a race to the bottom and you know colorado and arizona are certainly not making it easy for them to to fall down there uh you know and and the thing is i don't see the sedines rolling over they'll win you a game or two here or there and nathan mckinnon he'll probably help the abs win a couple so the the race to the bottom is arizona's to lose uh i think they're they're the odds on favorite in my opinion to to end up in 30th 
Now over to Washington, another team that you keep a close eye on. And the big question all year long for me, as it is for a lot of poolies out there, is just who's going to be the number one center for this, this uh, great talent when the dust settles. Uh, is it going to be Nick Backstrom, his longtime center, or Evgeny Kuznetsov, who's played a lot of center and currently is playing with Ovi? Who starts game one of the playoffs with uh, Alex Ovechkin on the wing? I think it's got to be Backstrom, and and I go back to what you were saying about Sid the Kid and his chemistry with Siri this season. I think at some point here, Ovi's going to have enough of the the shifting back and forth, and he's going to put his foot down and say, you know, look, put Backstrom in the middle. That's what it's going to take for me to win. That's who I want. Um, That's kind of how I see the situation playing out. So, yeah, Backstrom for me. And what about in Winnipeg, the big story there, maybe the best rookie so far this year, Patrick Lining leads the club with 19 goals. Mark Shifley's next on this roster with 14, and we all have a very high opinion of Shifley as one of the top pivots in the game. Who winds up with more at the end of the season? I say Shifley. I say Line. And our, our listeners aren't going to be surprised by that. You, he's ended up on my, you know, my DFS lineup a handful of times. He'll probably end up there again sometime soon. Uh, but you know it I expect him to walk away with the Calder this year Boo. Uh, he's, yeah he's four <laughs> points ahead of Matthews I think it's all his and I think he's gonna hold off uh, Shifley for the the goal lead in, in Winnipeg as well yeah what troubles me there is I wonder if they're gonna stick with him on the top six role certainly or a top line role there uh, Blake Wheeler's a guy that certainly is a guy that can move up from his second line role Drew Stafford another guy who can pick up the offense when the scoring gets tougher in the second half of the season and more emphasis is is placed on a two-way game and I think that's where lining comes up a little bit short we might see him relegated to a third line role and that's what I'm pinning my belief on uh, to make Shifley the leading goal scorer on this club when the dust settles from my end and why don't we talk well there's been a lot of dust kicked up during the football season uh, AJ and uh, fantasy football fans we want to remind you to have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel fantasy contests for everyday fans there's new contests starting every week there's no busted seasons even though we're winding down the campaign just pick a contest choose your team and watch your score in real time each week new this year there's been an upgraded experience you get even more contest variety try beginner contests for new players only settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head deal try Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for as low as a dollar. There's choices for every budget. Now, AJ, I went and peeked at your league, and I found out good news for you. Uh, Tell us about your experience in the Vegas League. Yeah, another week, another win for me. Uh, And as much as I want to take all the credit, uh, some of it certainly has to come down to timing. Uh, I was able to catch guys in, in down weeks while having a relatively consistent team. I didn't have the, the highs and lows. Um, I, one thing that's worked out great for me is the Blake Bortles garbage time points. Uh, he's been my quarterback all year long, had another strong performance this week. You know, when the team gets down, they started hurling the ball, and he, he's put up some solid fantasy numbers, albeit not wins for Jags fans out there. Um, so, yeah, Paul, I didn't get a chance to look. Who won over on your side? Who well, am I facing week you're, 17? You're facing Jeff Erickson, the guy who sends us the checks here, uh, the stringers like me. So I, my my thoughts are divided here. You've become a great pal on this hockey pod, but I have a lot of love for Jeff, who introduced me to Rotowire several years ago. So I, I have to say I, I don't know how I feel about this final. I think it's going to be a great contest, though, because you were both the number one seeds in the respective leads, and you went all the way. 
For my part, though, I still lament my loss last week even more, AJ, because I looked at the total points scored this week from all the teams in both leagues, and my team was the top-scoring team. So for me, it wound up being one bad week last week that cost me and uh, the chance to face you for the whole ball of wax. So I didn't hold up my end of the bargain. I wish you good luck in the final. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's you know why we also play on, on FanDuel. Like you mentioned in, uh, before, no busted seasons, and one bad week uh, unfortunately busted your season this year. Very good comment. It, it hurts to admit that, but hey, I had a lot of fun doing it. We always have fun talking about it on the hot daily hot, uh, pods, and uh, we will continue to do that for another couple of weeks. Uh, we resume our broadcasting of pods on Wednesday this week. We missed Monday and Tuesday because of the holidays, but uh, James Seltzer and I will change it up a little bit. We'll include uh, running backs and quarterbacks in the first segment on Wednesday, and we'll hit up on the uh, wide receivers and tight ends on the Thursday show before uh, John McKechnie and I finish up with the rest of the rosters in our, uh, in our look at the defenses and kickers. So uh, we change it up a little bit this week just because of the schedule, as we have changed it up here on today's show in the Hockey Podcast at Podcast. Well, we remind people to play in the Rotowire Championship by going to fanduel.com slash rotowire hyphen championship. Have all the fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, the sports rich. There's a special offer for new users where you get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to fanduel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just $10. Go to fanduel.com slash RW. All right, it's time to build our Tuesday lineups. There's 10 games on the slate today. I've done the roster sweeps, AJ, so you got some homework to do to check my work and set the lineups for the rest of our listeners. But let's hear what you've got going on at center ice tonight in the slate of games. Yeah, so I love the matchup between Pittsburgh and New Jersey. Uh, I think it's a powerhouse scoring team against a weak uh, defensive team. Unfortunately, I just couldn't shell out for Sid. He, he's just costing too much. So I'm taking the lesser option, as, as weird as that is to say, in Evgeny Malkin at 8600 saving just a little bit of money, should get similar production in my opinion. And then we mentioned before, uh, Backstrom and Kuznetsov. I'm going with Backstrom, even on that second line against the Islanders tonight for 6,700. A great matchup there as well. Uh, Paul, your guys down the middle. Well, uh, I highlighted Evgeny Kuznetsov earlier just because he's playing with uh, Ovechkin right now, and that's the reason why he's in my lineup at $6,400. He also gets the relatively soft touch of playing the Islanders. I know it's an Islanders home game, but the Caps just have too much for them. I think they run them over tonight. And I think Kuznetsov partners up with Ovechkin for a big night. So I'm looking forward to that paying off well. Then I'm going to swing over to the Minnesota-Nashville game. I know Devin Dubnik's been playing amazing lights out hockey, but Nashville's a good team at home, just like Minnesota is. And Ryan Johansson's getting number one minutes on the power play and a regular shift for $6,600. He's one of the cheapest number one centers out there, and I think, I'm hoping he pays off as well there. We got four wingers each to go through, AJ. Who's in your lineup? So I start out with uh, Kyle Oposo at 6,300. And we talked about him not uh, necessarily being the leading scorer at the end of the year, but he's still putting up solid numbers. As you mentioned, Detroit's uh, struggling a little bit, so I am going to try and capitalize on that tonight. Uh, on the flip side of that, I'm going to go with Thomas Vanek, your favorite player in the league. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for just 5,000, again, uh, I, I do think Buffalo's got some deficiencies as well, so uh, possibly a good place to, to pair up on both sides. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to go with Gagne over in Columbus. 
uh, going up against Boston. I think Boston's a down team. We've seen how much uh, the Blue Jackets have been scoring of late. And then uh, finally, Nino Niederreiter, uh, 4,500 against Nashville. Again, another team that's struggling against another team that's surging. Uh, so really capitalizing on matchups in a, in a lot of my lineup. What did you do for wingers, Paul? I keep with that theme, and I looked at the mismatches on the board trying to pick somebody from each of these places. So uh, one of them is Patrick Eves. Uh, I spent low on a couple of guys, higher on a couple. Of, so I'll go with the low balls first. Patrick Eves of Dallas. He's hung around the top six here. He gets the soft touch of Arizona, the team that you're pegging to finish at the bottom of the standings, I think, for $5,400. I like that matchup. And Connor Sheary, we talked a little bit about him uh, on the wing with Sydney, and I think he feasts on the matchup they have against New Jersey for $5,200. Then I spent a little bit more to get a couple of other guys who have a bit of a more proven scoring pedigree, I'll say. And I go with Matt Zuccarello, who's had a bit of a quiet first half, uh, but the high-scoring Rangers play against the Ottawa Senators at home tonight, and I think it's smart money, $6,100 to spend here on Zuccarello and I'll round it out with uh, you touched on the Boston Columbus matchup Boston uh, Boston not quite on fire Columbus is is just blazing right now Felino, their captain a big reason why I think he continues that run with a $6,300 price tag looking for a big payoff there on the blue line yeah speaking of that Columbus matchup again uh, clear theme going for both of us here I'm going to go with Wierinski for 5600 relatively cheap option against a, a, a great matchup for him and a, a team that's uh, kind of dominating the league right now hopefully not for too much longer uh, for my pens but uh, and then yeah again you mentioned Dubnik is uh, lights out but I'm going to go with Ryan Ellis 4700 for for a very discounted top line defenseman uh, and I hope he can maybe sneak one past uh, the dominant Dubnik there. Uh, so, yeah, that's my blue line. How does yours look? Well, I, I always try to find the uh, first line player here that comes in a little bit lower than some of the, some of his peers. I found a couple of guys I feel pre- pretty good about. Cam Fowler has been a big surprise offensively with Anaheim. He gets a, a bit of a tough matchup, but it's a cross-state rivalry against San Jose and I think that fuels him to a big night on home ice for $5,300 I'm happy with that one and then again I go to the Rangers uh, Senators tilt and I look at Ryan McDonough for $5,200 you get the, the the Rangers power play quarterback and the first line defenseman so that's pretty low price tags for two first line defensemen who run the show uh, when things get to the extra man situation so I like that pairing in goal to finish up your lineup Alrighty, so I'm going to go with Martin Jones. Uh, this is one one part of this is what we've talked about a, a few weeks ago is having a guy in a later game, uh, just so you don't get that false optimism where you're in the top and then don't have anybody going late. So uh, Martin Jones going up against Anaheim, we've highlighted their offensive struggles a little bit, so I think it's a good matchup for him. I'm not expecting those guys to to light him up too poorly. 8800, a little bit more of a discounted option as well. Uh, Paul, where did you go in that? Well, I looked for a big mismatch here, and I'm hoping that uh, this rewards me in the THL League, too, because I'm starting Kerry Lettinen tonight uh, in both. And uh, I think against Arizona, his price tag is lower than most other starting goalies who are projected. Uh, it's not been confirmed whether it's Lettinen or Niemi. I'll go with either one because I just think this is a big mismatch. Dallas's offense, as you said, is coming together. At least the guys, the name guys are starting to get back in the lineup, and they're healthier. So... 
that. Plus, I saw Arizona last week against the Leafs. They didn't offer much resistance. I think this team is overmatched against almost any team that they take the ice to, and that'll be the case tonight again against Dallas. So there's our lineup. So we'll put them online a little bit later and uh, wish you good luck in your DFS uh, hockey plays today. There's uh, 10 games to choose from, and we hope you have fun with that tonight. But now it's time to wind up our show with a look at the stud of the week and the rant of the week. AJ, for my stud of the week, I expressed surprise with Eric Stahl at the beginning of the season being considered as a top six player in Minnesota, but surprise, surprise, I thought this guy was finished after looking at his last two seasons, but look at what he's done this year. I gave the totals out earlier, leading the club in scoring, and heck, even in the past week, he's kept it up, so uh, I think uh, I'm surprised, but... uh, Kudos to him for being at, playing at this level. He has been a number one center in this league for a long time. I guess he's got a few more games left at that level uh, this year. And I also want to give a, a nod to Yarmir Jagger for moving into second all-time on the NHL scoring list. He did it with a little less style than he normally does, having the assist go off his butt. But don't, <laughs> don't forget that this guy played three years in the KHL that dampen his uh, lifetime scoring totals too he could be well past he would be well past Messier certainly not within light uh, light years of Wayne Gretzky but this guy's been a big time scorer for a long time and the totals are down a little bit this year but you got to tip your hat to uh, what uh, Yarmer brought to the to table in the in his hockey career yeah, absolutely. Uh, great, great uh, stud of the week in, in Eric Stahl. I was definitely on the trash Eric Stahl train at the start of the year. Uh, and this, to me, looked like it was going to be the worst signing of the offseason. A three-year, $10.5 million contract seemed like way too much for, for such a down player. Um, but they, you know, the Wild organization, uh, you know, took the risk, overlooked that that bad last year he had. And they've gotten huge production with a relatively minor contract it's just 3.5 mil as far as the cap hit goes annually and uh yeah you mentioned yager uh just a, a great great player uh you know fun to watch all the time the hair is phenomenal always rocking that <laughs> mullet um but yeah it, i saw it was you know another probably 20 seasons at it, at his current pace to to catch uh, wayne gretzky that that number will never go down uh no matter what happens so uh, I think number two is where people are going to be competing for, uh, for you know, the, the foreseeable future. And uh, the rant of the week, you know, we haven't touched on the World Junior Hockey Championships. That's a spectacle where you see the NHL's top prospects being showcased effectively under res- the respective flags of some of the hockey powers around the world. And it's great hockey. It's being played in Toronto and Montreal over the next two weeks. But what it has led to is the compressed schedule that we see in the NHL. I lament the fact that my Maple Leafs have had to, will have to play 18 sets of back-to-back games this season, which tops the league. That's a real grind when you have to play at home one night and then fly the next day and play another game. We don't really know what that's like. Just We just turn on the TV and watch these guys or go to the games and watch them. But the teams really have to deal with this, and all teams have to deal with it, in fact. It leaves a lack of practice time and increased injury risk. There's way too much downside here with the way it's currently set up. I'd like to see the league find a way to extend the, the season, push it back a, a, a a few days and extended a few days get at least half of the the compress compression out of there i know they're also talking about the fact they want to give each team a week off that's a lot to fit in 
when you're talking about uh, trying to get 82-week games in between uh, early October and early April. So I don't like the fact that there's injury risks. I think it's the, it's a headache for the league when the, the signature players get hurt and it, teams are affected all year long. I just don't like it. I wish they would find a way to stretch it out. Well, let's not forget either, Paul, that part of this was caused by the, the World Cup uh, that kind of condensed the start of the year as well. Um, and as you mentioned, the bye weeks uh, were something that the players have been pushing for. Uh, so they, they get that, but the flip side is the back-to-backs. Uh, I, I certainly understand your concerns, uh, and it would be tough. I, I don't, don't, uh, don't envy those guys when it comes to travel, but I, I do think it's great for fans. I think there's hockey you know, every night when you get home. Um, and I do think the players will get the time to rest during those those bye weeks. Uh, so while I understand the impact the condensed schedule will have, I think ultimately the benefits outweigh the risk. I mean, without the condensed schedule, we maybe wouldn't have had the World Cup. That was fantastic to watch. Um, so I, I I disagree with you on on this one, Paul. I like the condensed schedule, uh, but I, I certainly understand your concerns. Well, and before we sign off this week, I want to take the opportunity, AJ, to thank you for jumping on to podcast with me uh, to start the season. I've had a ball with you, and I look for bigger and better things for us in 2017. So I want to wish you a Happy New Year and a Happy New Year to all our listeners. Yeah, you as well, Paul. Happy New Year. It's been a blast. I've been enjoying it. Looking forward to to the rest of the season. Should be a lot of fun. It will be when the shooting gets a little more serious in the second half. Well, that wraps up this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter to follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholz24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z or Z. 24 we ask you to look out for our podcast hockey pod every week so you can get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests so long everybody This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.